Welcome, everyone, to Los Libertinos Podcast. I am your host, Carlos Abelard, and this is Chingazos and Fire, episode number 48. Our guest today is Pete Quinones. He is the host of the Pete Quinones Podcast, formerly known as the Free Man Beyond the Wall Podcast. He has over 760-plus episodes. He has a substack called By Any Means Necessary, and uh, this is his second time on the show, so if you want to get more of a personal take, uh, check out episode number 18, which I'll put in the show notes. Uh, welcome, Pete. Oh, thank you for having me back on, Carlos. And I just wanted to say the Substack. I got so sick and tired of saying, okay, the address is pekinianes.substack.com that I bought petesubstack.com and redirected it to it. <laughs> more, 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 the efficiencies, the efficiencies. Yeah, yeah, there right. you go. Uh, so yeah, I'll put the link to that for sure in the show notes. Uh, you can send them to me, and I'll and I'll put them in there for sure. Um, sure, thank you. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Um, yeah, um, uh, on, on this on this time around, uh, like I mentioned, uh, uh, I thought I kind of we got we got we got a little bit more on a on a personal take on the first run, but this one I kind of wanted to have my audience uh, get a more of a introduction and get a little bit more uh, 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 material on what you kind of do on your show. So if you don't mind, uh, could you do a background on your show, meaning like uh, what motivated you to take the first steps towards it and and kind of your uh, uh, how it's grown from Freeman Beyond the Wall through COVID through, to where it is now? And then we'll get into some of the, the show. Sure. Uh, well, back in 2017, when um, everything was just going crazy, the... Yeah, I mean, Trump was in power and well, not really. I mean, <laughs> they took his power away real quick. But the I just was trying to figure out a way that I could contribute. And you know, I was I had a pretty active Twitter account sharing memes and stuff like that. And it just got to the point where I wanted to. You know, just have a, some way where. I'm I'm a smart guy, I. I know how to talk. I know how to write. And I'm like, what do I want to do? So I had this idea of doing like a podcast review where you, I would go through like libertarian podcasts and like listen to the episode and then doing like a, you know, like a 500 to 600 word review. And then I realized that there was, even back then, there was a lot of libertarian podcasts and that was going to be a lot of work. So I was like, um, I'm lazy as hell. And that sounds just awful. Um, so I, I had some recording experience. So I pulled out a microphone. Got, got audacity and just decided well, i'll start doing some short episodes on you know what i think liberty what being free would be all about and i did that for like 15 16 17 episodes and then i noticed that people on twitter there was a guy on twitter i noticed he was an ex-cop and he said if you know if you want to talk if you have a podcast reach out to me so i reached out to him and we talked and People liked it, said that they thought I, I was a good interviewer. So I just started interviewing people and just it, it grew from there. Um, it it started blowing up when I decided I was going to write a little book incorporating memes into it. And so Dave Smith had me on a show. Tom Woods had me on a show to talk about it. Mark Claire had me on a show to talk about it. And my audience started to grow. And from there, I just like put my head down and just tried to talk to everybody that I possibly could and have good interviews and everything was going great. Uh, and then, you know, February of 2020, 
<laughs> rolls around. Well, January of 2020, I'm reading articles about this thing, this flu. And I'm like, yeah, this this isn't anything. And then February, it starts getting serious. You know, that's all there anyone's talking about. They're talking about shutting down the NBA. They're talking about shutting down not not doing the major league major league baseball. They're gonna interrupt hockey. I'm like, this is billions of dollars that they're gonna lose. Um, this better better start taking this seriously. And then, you know, for about a week, I was like, man, you know, I better wash, keep my hands washed and everything like that. I was never into wearing masks at all. I mean, it's just, I mean, even at work, I wouldn't do it. And it took me about a week to figure out, okay, when the numbers started rolling in and you started seeing who was like dying from this, and it was all people who were like in their 70s and older, I was like, all right, this is something different. And I took a big turn and I said, We've entered into a new phase of tyranny. I was an adult when 9-11 happened. I remember what happened after 9-11. This is much worse. And I, I just started talking about it with everyone, anyone I could talk to, people I hadn't talked to before, just reaching out to anyone. And right around the middle of 2020, I really started you know, thinking that, okay, this libertarian, this libertarian ideology that I've been preaching for all these years and everything is... Nobody wants it. People want to be locked down. And it just, I, I just started looking outside of libertarianism. So, you know, I found somebody who used to be a libertarian. And then I started reading a very prolific writer named Curtis Yarvin. So I started reading what he was saying about it. And what I realized was that he is a lot of his solutions were still within the libertarian realm. And like my solutions still have definitely like the things that I think the way through this is still have a lot of libertarianism in it. I just, I don't like the whole thing of there, there's a certain morality that people attach to libertarianism. Like it's the most, it's the most moral thing. Well, it's like, uh, well, I mean, the, the people locking you down don't have any morals. So it's like, I mean, if you're going to use morals to fight against people who will lock you down and starve you and take away your wealth and, and you know, stick, stick and make you stick a needle into your arm and so you can work I, I don't know if this is the idea the way to go and everything so you know i don't call myself a libertarian anymore but there are definitely like when i envision you know a society that i'd want to live in there are libertarian values there and there are um, you know i would like pretty much almost everything to be privatized up to a certain point um, i think there might be some things that would have problems privatizing that I've seen just things that I've seen over the past couple of years and everything and things that are coming out now. Um, but you know, that was pretty much it. And to this point I've up to this point, I'm just basically trying to, I do what I want. Basically, <laughs> It's like, if I get an idea in my head that I'm like, okay, I want to talk about the articles of confederation up through the constitution. So Brian McClanahan's the guy to talk to. So I reached out to him and it took six months to get that interview, but I got it. And then World War II was something that always interested me. So um, my buddy, Jose Nino, he told me about Thomas 777 and I reached out to Thomas and you know now we're doing this multi-episode. So I don't even know how many episodes it is right now. It has to be over 10 where we're just going over how the buildup from like World War I and through World War II. And there's other things, you know, reading, reading parts of books like Imperium. I'm getting ready to with Taylor from Hoppian.org. 
we're going to read Hoppe's essay um, that was adapted from a speech, um, Libertarianism and the Alt-Right. We're going to do that one, which should really upset some people. That, that'd be fun. And um, yeah, I mean, I pretty much put out what I think that, pe- that people haven't heard. You know, things that people just haven't, you're not hearing on other podcasts. And I'm not saying that other podcasts are bad. You know, I'm just saying that I'm, I, I, I have my own thoughts on current, I have my own thoughts on current events. No, I, I don't need to listen to someone tear apart current events and everything like that. So, but if somebody's like doing some insane history or something like that, or readings or, you know, something like that, that's the kind of stuff that I'm into now. So that's what I'm bringing to my show. That's perfect. Yeah, I have uh, here in my uh, show notes here, uh, DJ Pete. Uh, and the reason I um, had that on my note was because when I first reached out to you uh, several weeks ago, it was because uh, I had gone into like uh, I'm part of like a weekly uh, uh, men's group chat. And when I got into the video chat, uh, the first, you know, when I got in there, I, I hear, oh, Pete and He's gone dark. He's gone too dark. And he had this guy on uh, Michael Jones and, and he's Michael gone Jones. and he's gone down. And I was like and I was and I had not heard the interview. But, uh, you know, uh, in that conversation, we def- in that group, we got into different uh, areas. And uh, I remember just being like telling him like, oh, but, you know, uh, Pete's kind of like a DJ. You know, he kind of like puts in the new stuff. Some of the old stuff's already getting uh, uh, dust and maybe he'll take some of them. Like, he, you know, so so like I've always even when I interviewed you the first time and uh, I just kind of always got that vibe that uh, you, uh, you you're putting the stuff out there that sets the that sets the tone. But, yeah, you definitely are setting some type of pace out there. But um, so right off the bat, then uh, on that episode, number 750 with uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones, he kind of goes into uh, the realms of uh, basically like the an overall like the. Jewish conspiracy from it's called the I, I mean it goes it goes it goes Jewish, it, it's referred to as the Jewish question. Jewish question. Okay, so from back then to now, but they, uh in that group chat, they were kind of putting some uh words into your mouth. And I guess, and then that's when I, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna reach out and just talk to them. And uh and 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 besides that one, we're gonna get into a lot of other episodes that I've uh, jammed and I like. Um so on that question, uh, you know, uh what was that uh uh interview? When you were hearing his information, how did you digest it? And then kind of what is your take on the whole? I mean, there's a lot of fronts like Israeli Palestine, Zionism, uh, I guess even like the Jewish question, all of that. I mean, uh, just go ahead and freestyle on that, please. Well, I mean, the Jewish question is, why is it that whenever you look at an organization that has wields power and especially social power, the names that founded it and run it are usually Jewish when they're like 2% of the, of the world population. So yeah, I don't think that that's a, you know, it's, um, I tweeted out in all caps, I think it was yesterday or the day before, stop noticing things. It's because, because when you start noticing like patterns and you start asking questions about those patterns, people get upset. You know, when you're like, okay, so how come, you know, African-Americans are 13% of the population, but they commit over 50% of the violent crime? No one wants to, no one wants to tackle that. You know, it's just like talking about, you know, why is it that, you know, 
Jewish people run the Federal Reserve, pornography, um, banking, um, entertainment system, I mean, the entertainment industry. Why is the diamond, you know, the diamond cartel, all these, all these things. And when you're 2% of the population and people are just not, people have been trained in the 20th century not to ask questions about things like that. And I think it's a valid question. It's like, well, in when you look at communism, you know, why was the why was the founder and so many of the people who continued it and wrote about it Jewish? I mean, communism is basically a Jewish ideology. Okay, so they invaded after World War One. They started invading um, Germany because you know, Weimar, because. Germany was completely weakened and devastated by by World War One and the Treaty of Versailles, and it just seems like every interest that went into there was Jewish and was run by somebody who was Jewish. And then you look at something like um, Winston Churchill taking England into the war, into World War Two. I mean, he, you know, Hitler didn't declare war on England. England declared war on Germany. Okay, so the focus group was a Zionist organization that was funding um, funding um, Churchill and all. I mean, okay, so why? Just why? Why? And why can't I ask these questions? You know, why is it verboten to, why is it verboten to notice things? And what, you know, when you notice patterns, you know, I mean, it's, I've heard, I've heard good explanations for, the Jewish question: Why are Jews in control of so many different things? When you look at something, um, and when you look at like, um, can you can you give like, that? Because some of my audience would not have heard it. Can, what are the, what are the some of the replies that you heard that you're like, okay, oh, well, some, okay, well, I mean, and and some of them, are, okay. So um, according to Douglas Murray, the bell curve, um, Jews on average have a very high IQ. So you would expect people in you would expect people in places of leadership to have high IQs. They'd be smart people. Okay, but the Asians have the highest IQ on the planet. How come they're not running banking? How come they're not running the entertainment industry? How come they're not running the pornography industry? How come they didn't found these things? How come they didn't found communism? How come, you know, these are questions, you know, these are questions that, you know, if somebody's going to make that excuse, sure. And I mean, really, that's, one of the that's the best excuse I've ever heard. It, it makes sense, but it's still two percent of the population, and still Asians have the highest have have a higher IQ by far. And I mean, you look at Nigerians. I mean, the amount of Nigerian engineers they're not, you know, they're, they're not um, taking over anything. So why? So why them? And why the desire to be in powerful positions? Or is it a desire at all? And maybe there's just a system set up for that to happen. Yeah. I, um... So like, so like here, I'll give you an example. Okay. So like 1890 is really the year that most historians um, point to that a lot of um, people of Jewish descent started coming into the United States in numbers. 15 years later, 1905, um, there is a, do you know what a pogrom is? Okay. So over the over the centuries country different countries have been accused of doing pogroms which basically is 
the country rebels against the Jewish population that has moved in there and they kill a bunch of them and then they throw them out of the country. Okay. So in 1905. Sounds fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's happened in 109 different countries. Okay. So the. Okay. So if I have 109 ex-girlfriends, you say I'm an asshole. But um, (laughs) so the. So 1905 in, I think it's in um, Odessa, in Russia, because Odessa is part of Russia at this point. I mean, it's really Ukraine, but yada, yada. Um, There's a pogrom. And the United States government sanctions and comes down hard on Tsar Nicholas and and the Russian Empire. Well, why? Because in 15 years, people who were friendly to Judaism had insinuated themselves into the government. This is clear. You can look back and you can research this. You know, why would, I mean, (laughs) why would anyone, why would the U.S. government in 1905 care about something that happened in Odessa, of all places? I mean, a place that historically has been like... um, connected with criminality and things like that this happened so and all of a sudden the united states government is upset about that and is willing to sanction and it's yeah i um uh so my take because i have no personal attachment to like uh i don't know like israel or anything like that i mean uh uh, people you know so i i don't really care you know but my take was always that um I don't know. They've been like, they're like us, like, like even said it like a uh, 109 ex-girlfriends. Uh, yeah. They're like a stateless people, right? They, they kind of freestyle a lot and uh, don't they have to freestyle because basically everybody thinks like they killed Jesus or like, you know, they call them basically Jesus killer. And if like killers, like, so I would think that over time, if their culture is nice and tight because they believe they're like the chosen people or whatever, like, over time, they're going to create these lineages that that are always going to help each other out. And whether whatever industry they're in, they're going to try to help their family out and stuff like that. So that's the way I've always kind of taken it. And then if if anything, like I've always taken it like as like, OK, well, then they're winning and we should probably take lessons on how they're winning. If they have a short, a small percentage of the population and their agenda and their stuff is going like, you know, I'm not a hater. I'm like, you know, like, hey, don't, you know, hate. Don't hate the player, hate the game, but like, you know, somehow they figured out a way to to put their agenda forward. And although it, some people would say or whatever, oh, it's uh, detrimental to our foreign policy or our. Sure. You know, I mean, yeah. But like, again, like, I don't care if whatever happens to the state of it, like it's too far away from Texas for me to even care. But like, so they have an agenda and they're putting it through. But that's the way I've always taken it. So even when I hear you talk about they they, they, they left, they got kicked out. Uh, I've never heard of that term. Uh, you know, you know, yeah. Like, so you're basically saying like they got kicked out because they quickly knew how to infiltrate the power structure to 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 protect themselves. I mean, well, that doesn't sound too like uh, bad of a if they're gonna try to protect themselves because they're always getting told that they killed the, the savior or whatever. You know, I don't know. You know, am I weird to think like that or, or you know? I don't know if that's you know the reason. That's my easy take, man. That's my West Side take, there, man. You know, like a Mexican, like I don't yeah. where I don't like. I don't read the books or anything. I just take it like, oh, they're just protecting themselves as a as as a as a community. 
Oh, sure. I mean, I don't know that everything has to do with, oh, you killed Jesus. I mean, they weren't only kicked out of Christian countries. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that pretty much puts a dagger in that one right sure. there. Um, well, Thomas Sowell talks about, um, I think, God, I can't remember what book he talks about it in. I think it's in Discriminations and Disparities. But he basically, he, he includes this in almost every book. Um, he talks about intermediaries. So like um, you have in South Central Los Angeles, which is predominantly black, who owns the grocery stores? Koreans. And that causes tension because people are even people are like, well, this is our neighborhood. This is where we're from. Why is why is somebody from the outside controlling commerce? Basically, so that causes rifts. And that's something that's also um, the Jewish people have done that for for years too. been intermediaries, banking, uh, you know, other things. I mean, trade. I mean, when I was growing up, um, a really close family family we were really close with the um, the father was a leather trader and he got most of his leather from Israel and everything. And um, that's just what he did. You know, that's what he did. He. I don't know how many other leather traders, you know, people who did leather jackets and stuff like that were in New York, you know, working independently. But, you know, that's what he did. And it just caused that that seems to cause rifts. And the reason I mentioned South Central is that that's the easiest one for um, for us to understand. But we've seen it in movies. It's true. It's in movies because it's true um, that when you have somebody from the outside who is not like you, who comes in and they seem they seem to be controlling um taking income out of the neighborhood too. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying, you know, that's really smart. You know, um, one thing, if you can keep money in your own, if you can keep your money in your own um, neighborhood or in your own culture, in your own community. Network, your network. And all that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're doing really well. I think something, I read something about how in Asian communities in the United States, like if a dollar stays in for, a dollar that's made stays in the community for like 28 days or you know, 45 days or something like that. And in African-American communities, it stays in for like a day. Mm. It's like, it's gone. It's out. It's outside the community because there aren't enough African-American black owned businesses to keep it inside. So yeah, I think you get, I think that's one of the the main reasons and there's something to soul, you know, and I think soul is a good person to talk about. What, what about the, and I, and I had not, and I never knew this, and it was in that conversation we had uh, talking about others. Was that I guess uh, religiously, uh, like Judaism allows for like uh, you can charge interest and stuff like that. And I guess you know back then, you know back then uh, it was like looked down upon, I guess, to charge interest or do different kind of stuff like that. And I guess Judaism allowed it. And if and and somebody had brought that up, and then to me, my brain just went to. Oh, well, then that's why they're into banking, because they've had a super head start in front for a long time. And and then banking touches all kinds of businesses. So then it's just uh, so, you know, I, I don't go too fast to go into like, but but, you know, I, and I'm also not saying that it's that simple. Like, I'm, I'm not oh, I don't got it figured out, but my brain just works like that. Like, I'll go, oh, OK, well, then that's why, you know, but but um, uh, so that's why when I hear you talk about like the banking, I always think like. Well, yeah, because they were already creating all these different, uh, you know, uh, networks of banking from back then and stuff like that. But I don't know. I mean, um, so, I mean, I guess I'm not I mean, when I heard when I heard the conversation, the the, the the episode, I took it just like that. I said, 
He has his ideas. Uh, some of them seem like they might have a little of uh, his uh, like uh, agenda in it. But that's okay. Everybody does. And, uh, and and I just heard it, and I just thought it was like you putting on an episode, like a, something for us, your audience to jam. And you, and we and and then it, once you put it on the airwaves, like it's, it's up to us to jam it, uh, turn it off, talk about it, or whatever you know. And that's just the way that I kind of took that episode. So no, no, I, I enjoyed it. But uh, even by just saying that, if anybody ever looked into it, they might be like, "Oh, Carlos, like, no, nah, I ain't saying that. I'm just saying I enjoyed listening to ideas, you know, whether they're yours uh, or or theirs, you know. So you know, I got no beef with it, man. I always like the stuff you're doing on that front. Well, the whole banking thing is, I mean, the Bible. And the Old Testament is very clear to not charge usury, to not charge interest. So, you know, the Jewish people have to go outside of that. And they that's why they, the Talmud was created in order to look at these things that the Bible is, says you can't do and to reason. I know nothing their, about the like, so like, yeah. if you tell me a little bit, about, so what, they created it like a like, so there's the Old Testament, the Old Testament, New Testament. Sure, and now Torah. there's, yeah, the Torah is the law. That's the okay. first five books, first five books of the Bible. And that's their law. And it clearly says in there, you're not allowed to mm. charge interest. So you know, the somebody, I don't know the history of the Talmud, but what I do know is that the Talmud basically was created to like ask these, ask these questions and like present these scenarios and get, it, it's a way and pretty much for a lot of people and even Jewish people have told me this. It's a way to get around the laws that are in the Torah. And so they explain a way having to use interest. And the problem is, is that for, you know, 1800 years after, after uh, Christ, you know, for uh, not, not that long, probably 1600, the Christians just would not charge interest because the Bible said, do not charge interest. So when when banking came along, especially central banking came along, and there were great debates about charging interest, about we're going against the Bible here. And the, the Jewish people had already figured out a way around that. So I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm, we're, we're always trying to find ways around, um, trying to find ways to rationalize the things we do and everything. And I'm not even saying that interest is bad. I'm just saying that that's the history of what happened. And, you know, Christians for, for centuries wrestled with it and would not charge interest. And so, yeah, that's, that's where you, it goes with banking and everything. And, you know, now and with central banking and especially with fiat currency, interest is insane. I mean, because when you take out a loan, you're going to be charged interest and the loan is just created out of thin air. Like if you, if you take out $50,000, if you take a loan of $50,000 from the bank, the bank isn't going into their vault and giving you $50,000. They're printing that just basically with keystrokes. Magic, man. It's magic. You have, to, you have to pay that back with interest. Thing is, they didn't create the interest. So you, you actually have to, you're actually paying them back for something that they didn't, that wasn't a debt to them. And on top of that, they're taking more that wasn't even created. So it's like, when you look at it, you can't if you were to like pay off all the debts in the world, the U.S. dollar is you couldn't even do it because they didn't print interest. So it, the debt can never be paid off. It can just be forgotten. It has to be like ignored. It just it has to be like, fuck you. We're not paying this. 
that's basically what it's what it comes down to yeah but that's uh no for sure yeah the interest and all that yeah that's why i always kind of say well not always it's the truth i've only read two books in my life uh front you know from the beginning to end where i didn't put it down and that was uh rich dad poor dad and in the fed and after i read those two i was kind of like oh the game the game the game the game the game but i didn't you know but anyway uh so yeah um uh, another episode that I found very interesting because I've heard him before on other uh, podcasts, but um, it was uh, episode 732 that you had with uh, James uh, Corbett. Corbett, I think you say his name. Yes, Corbett, Corbett, yeah. Corbett. 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 Okay. And in that episode, uh, again, a good listen, man, great listen. Uh, what, what I remember that stayed with me because there was a lot of things that I was grasping, but uh, sometimes I try to grasp a lot of things. And then uh, I don't retain them. But the one that I did retain was uh, you guys were having a conversation basically about like the power structure and uh, you might have brought up kind of the hierarchy of it. And then he kind of brought up the, well, there's probably uh, a lot of hierarchies that are horizontal in different ways. So they're all networked and they complement each other. Um also, since the last time I interviewed you, I had never heard at that time and stuff like that, like. Um, the elite theory, uh, uh, the 80, 20, uh, 20 Pareto theory, all, all those kinds of different things like that. And, um, so in that conversation, when you guys talked about, um, this network and maybe like, um, oh, who owns Disney? And he kind of mentioned, well, I wouldn't doubt it if, uh, this investment firm BlackRock probably owns something in Disney. Right. So I wrote down BlackRock. And then he he mentioned some other guy's name uh, that was a guy that was uh, basically talking about how the elites uh, uh, kind of uh, network with each other. And I forgot. I, I saw some some of his videos. Anyway, uh, yeah, man, it's fucked up. <laughs> this uh, this uh, so so what I took away was like also, but what I took away was that it was a visual of like seeing these networks and kind of seeing that it was a closed system. And we're just watching it, uh, watching them play. And maybe you can get into it. And um, uh, it requires entrance into, I guess, you know, like the Ivy League schools, or you got to be an entrepreneur that somehow makes a product that gets you a bunch of money to get into these things. Um, uh, the, the fascinating story uh, behind this whole little comment here was that uh, I looked up the owner of uh, BlackRock, which is this guy named Larry uh, uh, Fink. Fink is his name. Larry Fink, I think is his name. And um, mm -hmm. he was a, a California guy. And so he's the guy that... What religion? what religion is he? I don't know what he is. Oh, is he? Yeah? Okay. Well, well fair enough. I, I don't know that. We're bringing it back. See, I didn't even care to look that up. But okay, fair enough. Yeah. So, so um, but what I got off of him was that he failed. He did good. He failed. And then he finally... Uh, created this, uh, I guess, like uh, this investment firm that also had this technology that requires the companies that they invest in to give them information to counter risk. I mean, very smart. Like I was like, man, that's badass. That's that, that's amazing. But now he's the one that is push, the pushing all of this uh, through this companies. But also he's not on, he, he doesn't put his face out there in the front. You know, you don't really hear this name a lot, but he's the one that's doing this ESG uh, systems and all that. So I guess my question to you is, uh, when I know that you've heard this over the years of all of these networks and all these systems working together, but I guess like for my audience and for people that have not heard this and for people to maybe tune into some of these episodes, that's why I'm name dropping the episodes. Like talk about 
how 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 you digest this information and how you if you were talking to somebody with a simpleton mindset like uh like the person you're talking to now how would you kind of tell them like hey this is the way it works man uh these 80 20 theories these elites this and that so again i had a freestyle on that one too if you don't mind please sure well if you look at the history of basically government there's it's always run by a minority pretty much there is no such thing people talk about democracy and democracy is I think libertarians like to say, oh, it's 50, 50.1% voting the other, the 49.9% into slavery, something like that. Um, that's not how it is. I mean, if you're voting, you've been given, you, you've been handed choices. Okay. It's not like you're, you're not voting for the guy who owns the shoe repair store down the street. You're not voting for a cobbler. You know, he's not going to make it onto the stage. Um, it's going to be very, hand selected people and even trump i mean trump wasn't hand selected but they had this thing that came out in one of the wikileaks um that it was called uh hillary clinton's pied piper strategy so hillary thought that the person that would be the easiest to beat was trump so she had all of her friends in the media promote trump so and it backfired on her i remember that do you remember when Rand paul would say they're giving him a billion dollars worth of free advert. Like, so he knew yeah, yeah. something was up, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's not stupid. He's like, wait a minute. Why are they, why is, is the only Republican they're talking about is Trump when I'm up here, you know? Uh, but, you know and there were, and what's his name was up there too? I'm um, the Bush, uh, the one from Texas. Yep. Uh, uh, well, I mean, Florida, 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 Florida. Florida. Yeah. Jeb. Yeah. Low energy Jeb. Jeb, why aren't <laughs> they talking about? The Bush, you know, don't they want a Bush Clinton rematch? Come on, you know, and um, yeah, it just you, what you realize that there's this elite group of people who always run everything. You can go back to Rome, you can go back to ancient Rome and see that how it was always an elite group that were running things all the way up through the Middle Ages. You look at when you look at feudalism. What is feudalism? It's basically a bunch of feudal lords lording it over everyone else. It's always elites running things. So their elites are running things now. I would say that the most power, in my opinion, the most powerful elites on the planet, we don't even know their names. We have no idea who they are. Um, I, I, I've used this um, as a, an example recently is the Sackler family. So the Sackler family are the ones that came out with um, Oxy. Oxy. Okay. And then basically paid and blackmailed every doctor on the planet, uh, every doctor in the country to push this as a pain, as a non-addictive pain med um, with no side effects to anyone who had pain. And they got wealthy. And then books have been written recently showing that they basically targeted middle America. They, they used the term in emails and internal memos, pillbillies. We're going to, we're going to target the pillbillies in, in middle America. And they were, I would say that they were probably one of the most powerful families that you had never heard of until this this whole thing came out and elites don't get taken down except by other elites so i think a war happened but some some elites um 
went to got with their people in the press and said, hey, start investigating this family and start exposing them. And now they've been exposed. I mean, they haven't been. It's not like they're going to jail or anything. It's not like they're going to lose their fortune. But this is an example of how elites run things from behind the scenes, have all this insane power, all this insane money. You don't even know their names until somebody outs them. And it's usually going to be other elites. People like to call Mark Zuckerberg an elite. They like to call politicians elites. I don't know how much power these people actually have. I mean, when you look at politicians, especially nowadays, I mean, really, who's looking at Biden and Pelosi and thinking they're some grand mastermind schemer who's like in charge and basically taking down the government, you know, taking down this country on their own? No, there's somebody who's feeding them something. And, you know, and you know, I heard like at the beginning of in, in the beginning of the year, somebody was like, well, you know, Biden's not running the country, but I think it's Obama and Susan Rice. And I'm like, that sounds about right. I think Susan Rice and Obama probably have a lot of say right now. But that's assuming that Obama and Susan Rice are the masterminds. They're not. They're they're being controlled by somebody else. It was in the Corbett episode. He brought up um, Ray Kurzweil as the basically the father of transhumanism, the face of transhumanism. He's been talking about transhumanism for decades. And it's like, okay, who funded him? Who, how did he become, I mean, I've known Ray Kurzweil's name for over half my life. How do I know his name? Who, who funded him? Who gave him a book deal? Who pushes it? Who flies him all over the world? to speak it's people behind the scenes man and really the only i've come to the conclusion really the only way that these elites can be cleared is you have either a very very ballsy guy not named donald trump um come is going to rise up and be like okay i'm taking this whole thing down you're going to have to kill me or we're going to have to raise up our own elites um, who are on our side, who share our values to take these people down and compete with these people. That's really yeah. the only way you can see it. And I honestly, I only see that the way to start that is on the local level right now. It's really the only way to do it is to raise up natural elites in your neighborhoods, in your small towns. I don't think this is going to work in Manhattan. I don't think it's going to work in the Bronx where I'm from. Um, but in small towns, and where um, I, even the town I live in is kind of big right now. But, you know, we've talked with Buck Johnson about Lockhart, Texas, and, um, you know, we're looking to do good things. He's going to be running for, for city council there. And we're looking to, you know, have some influence there and, you know, make some moves. And I think the only way you do that is with people who are elite. That doesn't have to necessarily mean they have to be rich. It doesn't necessarily mean... Um, they have to be good looking. <laughs> what it means is that they have to, their priorities have to be aligned with yours and they have to be somebody who isn't in it for themselves. And I mean, how many politicians, if you were to look at the, let's just say the 535 people in Congress, I mean, how many of them, you count on one hand the amount of people who you would think you know, would be on your side. And then you'd even question that because you're not stupid. You know, so um, I think that's where, I mean, it's a, that's a very basic idea of elite 
theory. Um, Pareto, I talk about the Pareto principle, 80-20, where, you know, any, anytime you have a group of people, 20% are going to be doing, uh, you know, 80%, 80% of the work and 80% are going to be doing 20% of the work. But something that Pareto, um, a better, something I like better from Pareto is um, he has a book called The Rise and Fall of the Elites. And he talks about the circulation of the elites, how people go become elites and then they fall out because they lose their fortune, they lose their power, they lose their influence. Somebody goes to war with them and then new elite elites rise up. But I mean, he's one of those people. Oh, okay. So, so visually, the, 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 the chunk stays there and it doesn't matter. Yes. It, yes. It's just, yes. okay. It's okay. So, so then when you're saying, um, uh, we need to raise. So I like the idea of raising our own elites rather than looking for this one magic person. But you know, it can yeah, you yeah. can you could you could do it on two fronts. So what you're saying is that when you're we need to raise elites to get in here that have the same values as us, and and at some fall we need to be able to step up and and that's kind of what you're right. right? That's that's, yeah, that's how yeah. I always have to visualize stuff, man. I, yeah, but yeah, that's kind of yeah, what you're it, saying, right? Okay. Yeah, because there's always going to be elites. There's always going to be power. You know, it's like one of the things that really makes me cringe libertarians and anarchists say, oh, we just need to destroy power. Power is not something to be destroyed. Power is it's there. It's to be wielded. It'll always exist. And it's and it's a constant. And I can actually prove that. So the, the and, power and the elite is almost the same in this in my yes. visually homes. The power. So you're not going to give her get rid of it. It's always there. No, it's, it's just about there. how if you can get in to play with it or not. Well, and, and I will say this, and it's something that um, I don't know if I said it or somebody else said it, but somebody in our, our group said it was, um, um, what, what was I going to say? I, I lost it. I was well, thinking, right now we're talking about how now um, uh, if somebody's hearing this and they like what they're hearing uh, or even me, I, I remember since, like listening to you guys and a lot of the stuff that I was already getting this visual, but um, yeah, basically the power and the elites are always going to be there. It doesn't mean that it's exclusive. It is an exclusive club, but it's not 100% exclusive. There's definitely leaks that you can get in. You got to be ready to jump in if, if that's your calling. I remember what I was going to say. Okay, so people have this idea. You know the concept of Ancapistan, right? Yes. As well, well uh, mostly from uh, you uh, talking shit about it, but the yeah, idea yeah. is that this perfect uh, anarchist... Place. Yeah, I mean, it's it, no one ever says it's perfect, but that's pretty much sure. the way it's sold. Um, and I just said that we could, we can get to Ancapistan tomorrow if we had elites that wanted it. That's how we're going to get to Ancapistan. The only way you get to Ancapistan is you have elites that want Ancapistan. And then you have to ask yourself the question if you don't know who these elites are, why do they want it? What is the purpose of wanting it? Because Ancapistan could go bad real quick unless you have people who know exactly what they're doing. And people who know exactly what they're doing is, I'm sorry, you're always going to have some kind of central planning. There are always, you're always going to need experts who, yeah. who can design things, who can design systems. And We're just... And, <laughs> just visualizing it, uh, it would seem that the, the elites will never want to create, want to, uh, won't get into, a, uh, uh, won't buy into it because it would create too many leaks. Because once you once you create these little encapistans, these natural elites or the leaders of those little uh, become elites that can go into the into the. So yeah, they're not. Well, I would think that they were not going to want to do that because 
It creates a new, it's basically creating a new class of elites that can compete with the, the, the top class. Like, uh, you know, so anyway, that's what my thinking would be like, that's probably why not. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess you can sell it on them or not. Sure. And I think that that happens at the local level. It has to start at the local level. I mean, you can't, you're not going to take down the, the 202 area code, Washington, D.C. It's just not going to happen. I mean, if it falls apart on its own and. Really, when you look at a lot of the things that happen nowadays, you have to ask whether it's crumbling. You know, Roe v. Wade being overturned, things like that. I mean, it's you have to. You, you, so is their power crumbling? Is this some kind of fake out? You know, are they going? Are they going one? We're going one way, and they're going the other way, and we don't know what's going on. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I think that once you understand that elites have always been in charge, you have to understand that. If you're going to have a libertarian society, a libertarian town, Andrew Popular Liberty he talks about private cities, um, you know, Yarbin's patchwork kind of thing. These are going to be, there will always be elites and they will always be exercising power. And, you know, maybe you don't want to give them a central power where they have power over the police or things like that. Um, but, you know, I mean, these are, this is all hypothetical anyway, but what I do know and what I've come to believe 100% is that elites run things. They're always going to run things. You're just going to have to get your own elites in place in order if you want to change things. And that's really, really hard because right now there are a lot of them. And I think that's why that might be a reason why things are going bad for them is because there's too many. And yeah, I with the income disparity, right? There's, there's a lot of, uh, I have posted recently. And it's not, it's just like, well, I was going to say it was like, I posted like, uh, you know, being a millionaire and having a podcast is not a big deal. I mean, there's probably, uh, they're everywhere because the, 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 like I've noticed that, yeah, being a millionaire or being a multi, you see all these videos, like it's, it's like a nothing thing. Like, you know, not that it's nothing, obviously it's something, but what I'm saying is like, so yeah, there's probably a lot of multimillionaires that have power and influence and all this stuff. And now, you know, there's probably a, I guess I'm freestyling here a little bit, but when I, when I hear you think that there's a lot of them, that's probably what I'm thinking is that the system that they created to, to drain it from the, I guess, taxpayer or from the, or from, or, or through central banking of, uh, how you said, they're never going to pay back the debt. So it's all through inflation. That whole game of theirs, possibly if what you're saying of maybe like, you can tell me if I'm wrong, if I'm thinking this way, that they've created so many of their own elites and, and with wealth that they don't, they, they're starting to, um, I don't know, like it's not like a, a, a nice, clean foundation. It's starting to kind of show a little bit of the cracks within the own system they created. But I mean, I don't know if that's a right joke or not. Well, well, did you ever um, see the Michael Keaton movie, Multiplicity? Um, it's a movie where he... Yes, where he... Like, uh, re, re, uh, yeah, they keep reproducing or something? Or, yeah, yeah. So, you know... It's been a while. A, when he makes a clone of himself, it's perfectly fine. But then his clones start making clones and then oh, the clones yes. start making clones. And you get down to the point where you got like this fifth generation clone <laughs> who's like just standing there picking his nose. all day. <laughs> and that's basically the way I look at the elites now is that there's so many people who can step up and have influence in an elite role that are just. They're awful. They're not elites. They're not. You know, I like to call elites like natural elites, like pillars of the community. So, person in the community that you know who's salt of the earth, you can go to them with any problem, and they'll, you know, if they can't help, if they're not going to help you financially, they'll at least give you advice, and they'll be very nice about it. They're, you know, the nicest person in the, um, a very successful person who's very nice in the community. 
Yeah, the El Don or El Padrino or the Godfather. Or yeah, yeah, whoever, oh, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think in um, in ancient Rome they call them patrons. You know, or um, yeah, I forget what they. Call. Is that is that what you're talking about? Is that kind of what you're? Yeah, what yeah, you mean? yeah. Okay. And th- those are the kind. Those are the people that the kind of people that in your town who have your best interests at heart have the, have the um, the interests of the town at heart. That's why I've always said I would rather live under the mob. Then live under the government. I'd rather live in a mob-run neighborhood like an Italian. I mean, I grew up in New York City. I I've known about the mob. Where I, I had people who know. I've known, I've known people whose parents were, you know, whose dad were Bonanno family. Okay, mm-hmm. so these these neighborhoods that they live in, that they run, are some of the safest neighborhoods on the planet. There's no crime there. It gets taken care of. It gets handled. When you compare that to you know downtown Atlanta. On a Friday night, you know, if you're you, if you're not caring, you're an idiot. You know, so um, yeah. So I look. I'm I'm not saying I'm not saying mob bosses. I'm not saying the Vito Corleone was an elite, but he sort of was when you think about it. You know, because it was like people would come to him if they had a problem, and he would solve it for them. And you know, you don't have that with government. You don't have that with elected officials. So, and you would have you have it with elites, but not with the elites we have now. There's just too. It's too. There's too much of a motivation for corruption. You know that's why I've said people. I, I know I've said this, and it's pissed people off, and I'm sorry because you know I have a way of saying things that just pisses people off, and it's just me. But I really don't think that people should really run for office unless they don't have to work. You know, they don't have to be insanely wealthy, but I think that just not have the temptation be there. And I know that people can get tempted, even the richest people, you know, the richest people can get tempted. But if you're somebody who's saying, you know, I want to get in there because I want to make real change and I'm going to get in there and I'm going to do it. Take that, you know, take any of that temptation away by not, not having that one, you know, that thing where it's like, okay, well, I, now I'm in debt and I need money, things like that. You know. So. Yeah. It, hey, what's up, everyone? Please visit our sponsor, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. It is a small business that my wife, Vanessa, and I have been running for several years now. Uh, besides growing at, a, at its own pace, um, we have also been growing our uh, product line. Uh, in the last several months, we've gotten... Uh, bath bombs, massage oils, uh, different things like that. And recently, uh, brand new, we just got some uh, THCV gummies uh, that are 10 milligrams. Uh, They're legal. Um, They're still derived from hemp. But uh, these have some uh, unique characteristics that uh, are especially uh, good for anybody that's uh, an intermittent faster uh, that does some of that fasting. Um, I've been doing fasting like that for two or three years now. Uh, but, uh, you know, just like anything uh, at night, when you start getting some of those uh, hunger pains, you uh, tend to snack a little bit. Um, you know, what do you do? Nobody's perfect. But uh, these, uh, so we, we, tr- we, we sampled these out for the last month. And what it is, uh, what I feel is that um, when I take them, so basically I eat once a day. Big lunch, tacos, fajitas, whatever. 
Today I ate some chicken tostadas, guacamole, you know, you know it was good. But uh, around this time, um, I started feeling a little bit of uh, some of that hunger. So I'll eat one of these and it kind of helps me focus on not wanting to eat. So they call these, uh, they kind of have like a, a, a dietary, kind of a diet aspect to them and also like a focus aspect to them. So um, if that's your thing, uh, if you uh, want to try these out, for sure, uh, visit Paloma Verde CBD. Of course, uh, you can get all of your other CBD products there. And uh, use the promo code Chingasos, C-H-I-N-G-A-S-O-S, for 20% off anything in the store. Uh, once again, palomaverdecbd.com. Peace. That's funny, but uh, back in the, I used to come on uh, like local talk radio for, for many years as the Ron Paul guy. And uh, after those shows, some, some people would ask me like, oh, why don't you run for office? And my first thing was like, if I can't even say no to tacos, what makes you say, what makes you think I can say no to power, man? I was like, ask me again if you ever see me super skinny and fit and all that. And, and then maybe something, to go, maybe I got my shit together. But if I can't say no to tacos, uh, don't ask me that, man. It's, but uh, um, so another episode uh, that you had uh, was uh, number 729. And that was with uh, Curtis Yarvin. Uh, you had um, uh, already mentioned them several times. And um, he's somebody that has a, a, a is like an intellectual heavyweight for sure. I would say that in 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 what he puts out. But um, uh, speaking of elites and 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 maybe speaking a little bit to possibly the one person that right now has a little bit of momentum. Um, in that episode, um, there was a conversation kind of about uh the DeSantis versus the like Disney kind of the, uh, the some of the legislation against the I guess it was like the don't say gay bill where the school those uh schools couldn't be teaching stuff about like sexuality and like uh gender stuff all that kind of stuff but um uh I had never heard that take which was his take was kind of like and and something about it uh, I didn't like but let, let me kind of let's see if I'm saying it right here a little bit but basically he was like they uh, those type of takes they feel good in the short run to the right, but in the long run it actually comes off as blowback to the right because the left will see it almost like a a, a super attack on their way of living. Well, they 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 don't they don't they they kind of have a long term kind of game plan because they're kind of playing on home court advantage kind of in a way something like that. So it was kind of like. But my take was like, it almost felt like, you know, because he would speak of like, you don't make a move like that unless you're ready to like com completely take over the system and all that. And that seems like too distant. And he almost doesn't really paint a nice picture of how that looks, but uh, at least the way that I've heard it say, but it almost feels like he doesn't want us, when I say us, I mean like the right, because I'm putting this right now on the right, left kind of thing, um, the right to throw any punches, even if they're punching up, like it just seems like, no, you got to take your punches until you're ready to throw the biggest punch ever. But usually fights don't happen like that. The, the, the smaller guy needs to be strategic and has to be smart or something. But I don't know. Uh, what was your take on on, on that? Because um, because uh, at the time, yeah, I mean, I remember a lot of people had like positive takes like, oh, you know, DeSantis, he's throwing chingazos and and he's, you know, he's giving it to them. But I had never heard that. Like, no, that's that that doesn't work out the way you're going to think in the long term. Uh, you know, what was his take? Was his take right? Uh, you know, what do you think on, on Curtis's take on that? Or was it a wrong? I mean, I can see his point. The 
what I will say is that Curtis doesn't believe that secession can ever happen. So, like, he doesn't believe Texas could ever leave the union, that they'll never allow that to happen. Um, I don't agree. I, I I see things falling apart quickly, you know, and so I think the greatest thing that could. Yeah, there you go, man. Oh, I, God, let me tell you something. I'll be I'll be applying for citizenship if it happens. Um, the um, we welcome you with open arms, man. No walls here. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, well, we better build a we better build a wall around Texas if Texas succeeds. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we build one on the <laughs> south. We better build one on the north for sure. Yeah, if that's for damn sure. She probably should have done that already. <laughs> but the um, oh, what was I saying? Oh, um, West Side Wall has to be a little bit extra taller, right? Keep yeah, the, yeah, the California definitely. But the um, so I don't agree. Um, I think the secession can happen, and so when I see what DeSantis is doing, I I cheer it. I'm all for it. You know, I wish that he would, um, you know, there's this libertarian guy who's saying that he's going to run against DeSantis and he's going to take votes from DeSantis. What I would love to see DeSantis do, you know, because he's been really good about doing things, um, going a little authoritarian. I, I wish he'd go a little more authoritarian, actually. But I'd love to see him be like, Okay, I'm passing this this executive order that the Libertarian Party can't run ever again in Florida. <laughs> and, I mean, just just to fuck with them. I mean, and and to do it for real, be like, yeah, you don't even get on the ballot here, bitch. You know, I mean, really, you're gonna. I mean, I understand. Look, DeSantis is. There are so many things that I could scream, and and, and I want to choke him for. And everything, not literally, okay, FBI. Um, I want to metaphorically choke him for, um, but if the black gay crackhead would have won the election against him, Florida would be a wasteland right now. DeSantis understood when COVID happened that what is their number one industry? It's tourism. We need to keep this thing. We need to keep this thing open. And I think he shut down for five days. Then he was like, came to a sense. He's like, "Whoa, that's insane. Um, and he kept it open and he made sure that businesses could operate as normal. And he basically saved the country. I mean, he, he said, well, I call it, I call Florida a country. So he said, you know, just like I call Texas a country. You know, he saved the country and his country. And you know, I think King DeSantis, um, if the if the other guy would have got elected, he would have done every COVID. He would have been right in line with the CDC. Everything that they said, social distancing, masks, masks everywhere, um, shut, shut down. I mean, he would have destroyed Florida for probably ever, forever. I mean, they're one in the one industry that they have the most. So. The way I look at that is, and, and I don't think that um, Wheels, what's what's your governor's name? I call him Wheels. Uh, Abbott. Abbott. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's not in, in DeSantis. He, he, he's not near what DeSantis is. He's done a lot. And uh, even our governor here, basically, every time DeSantis passes something, the governor in Alabama just basically puts it right through, too. So, um, but the, yeah, I mean, I think that. I, I don't agree with Yarvin. I think that you take um, this is a war and you can't wait. If you wait until all the pieces are in place, that could, they could never come. 
So you have to have these little brush fires. You have to have these little battles and everything like that. I don't like yesterday, the um, Georgia Guidestones, someone blew them up. So they tore them down and everything. And I'm one of those people who's like, I'm, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't really care. They're gone. Good. Who cares? I've been out there. I've seen them. I've, I've been to the place. Um, but I was like, I want to leave these things up. You know, it's like they have all these books now, these CRT books, these books to teach kindergartners about gay sex and everything like that. Don't burn these books. Keep them. Because in the future, when we win and we we destroy these people, we're going to have to have evidence in the future of why we did that. You know, I mean, these these friggin' psychopaths want to, you know, cut your daughter's tits off because she's a tomboy. You know, want to make her into a boy when, you know, when I was growing up, they were just called tomboys and you know, boys who were like playing with dolls. Oh, it's like, I mean, these people are insane. They are literally insane. They are. And they have they have power. And and that connects back to the transhuman, because that's what yeah. James Corbett yeah. uh, was saying, right? That that's always been the he part believes. of that. Yeah, he believes it's all about all this leads to transhumanism where, you know, it's like, oh, so I don't like this arm anymore. So I'm going to cut it off and get a robot one. But more, it's like, I think they're what they're looking to do is they're looking to reprogram the human mind. Matrix. Yeah, I like my mind the way it is. I mean, it's pretty fucked up, but, you know, it's still mine. And everything. (laughs) This is my private property, bitch. But, um, (laughs) but the, um, yeah, so I mean, I don't agree with Yarvin on that because I believe secession, secession is eventually going to happen, and he's waiting for the day when all of these things are put in place. Where he wrote a great article right after the twenty twenty election of how Trump could have basically take won the election and destroyed the left forever. It's a very long article. I had him on to talk about it, and um, it's it's good stuff. And but that takes like so much coordination with the states, with state legislatures, with people in, in places. I don't know that you do it that way. I think that you start locally or you know, it, like we would start locally. But somebody like DeSantis is you know, really showing the way and, you know, tapping into his Italian heritage and going il duce on these motherfuckers, you know, <laughs> and it's like, you know, I I like it. And I I like seeing those wins because I like seeing the left's reaction to them. The the way they react to things, like the whole Roe v. Wade thing, the way they reacted, you know, calling how many of them on Twitter were calling Clarence Thomas the N-word. Yeah, it's I'm like, seen that. I mean it's like, okay. The, that tells you who you're dealing with. You're dealing with some really unstable people and also some people who Really hard principled. So I think you know the right needs to get principled about one thing and one thing only. Power. About taking power and wielding it and using it. Um somebody on Twitter today or yesterday, it was a conversation that lasted over a couple of days talking about um, you know, what do we do and everything. And I'm like, I think that ninety percent over ninety percent of the people are really stupid. And they just want to be led. I mean, maybe they're not stupid, but they want to be led. So go in and change your town, change the government in your town, make it more libertarian or private property based and 
you know, make, you know, Hoppe says one of the first things that you do is you privatize the schools. You know, you do that. And I think if you did that, if you just got together enough people to do it, you know, maybe in a town of 2000 people would take what, five people, six smart people taking over the government, taking over the town council and getting this done. Just do it. Freaking do it and watch how people react. Most people are just going to be like, okay, that's what this is now. That's what we are now. You might have some people who rebel. You tell them to leave, pay them to leave. I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with taking money out of the freaking coffer and giving them money to leave. Then get the hell out of here. You know, if you're not down with this program, get the hell out. We'll help you or we'll physically remove you. So, no, no, that's it. But, um, I think that really what we're just going to have to do is we're just going to have to do it and watch and see how I think people will react to it the way they react to everything else. Yeah, that's just the way it is now. You know, and I, and I think it's moral. So, you know, one thing that I've taken to saying is that if you believe so, you know, and I say this to libertarians, people who still espouse the libertarian ideology, you know, like wholehearted with all the morality and everything like that. If you think that the world that you want to create is so much better than the world that is now. People will be freer. There'll be less violence. There'll be whatever. People will be more wealthy, whatever. You would be immoral to not do whatever you can to make sure that happens. Think about it. You believe that this is how human flourishing into the future is going to thrive the best and you're not willing to get the to get the tools and put in the effort to make that happen that's immoral it really is you know and people can turn it right back on me and go well you're not doing that and everything it's like okay sure but i'm some people are some people are teachers some people are just mouthpieces some people are just you know you, you talked about me i'm a dj my and you know, my friend Bird says, I'm a facilitator of information. I find people who have information, I bring them on, and I have them give you information. That's what I do. That's what I do. But I'm also telling you that, you know, the if you want to do this, if you are like if if you're po- if you want to be politically active, if you're like, okay, I'm gonna be politically active locally, I'm gonna do this, then why are you what are you waiting for? Just make it happen. And watch how people react to it. And if you're, as long as you're not, as long as you're not scaring them, you know, as long as they're not scared that they're, you know, oh, we don't have any police anymore, things like that. You know, police protect us even if they don't. People just have they have to be met where they're at. Well, also, you can give people a private kind of town that still kind of looks like a government. That's probably what you're going to have to do anyway. You're going to probably people want a government. Yeah, this looks like this looks enough like a government, doesn't it? You know, so that's I think I think this is a lot easier theoretically, but you it just has to be put into place. Yeah, you just got to do it. Yeah, no, I always like to uh, when I hear people say like just do it and all that, I always think like how brilliant Nike was with that whole phrasing because uh, for an athlete or whatever, you know, just go do it. Just go yeah, do it. Just, I mean, that's advertising. Advertising is propaganda. So if you go back and read the book Propaganda by Edward Bernays, probably the most famous propaganda book ever written. Um, he doesn't he talks about advertising in the whole book. And that's what it is. He saw, saw advertising is propaganda. And 
there are times in that whole book where he doesn't even say the word for chapters propaganda. All he's talking about is advertising. But you know exactly what he's doing. It's pretty brilliant. It's pretty brilliant when you realize it. When you're watching commercials, if you understand that you're watching propaganda, you can learn a lot. You know, you can be inspired by a lot too. I mean, that, that just do it ad was freaking brilliant. Yeah. I, um, you still got a little bit of time, Pete? You're okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, just do a couple more episode stuff and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. But uh, uh, another one that I, uh, that I liked then, and uh, it was, uh, this one was, this one tripped me out, but it was a good one, right? Cause I was cutting, uh, I was helping my mom out cutting her grass and I had my headphones on. So, you know, the episode went down pretty good and the beers in between for sure went down real good. But um, it was uh, episode 742 with uh, Paul uh, 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 Fahrenheit? Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit? Yeah. Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. And it was about uh, this guy uh, that I've never heard of. It was this, uh, fr- uh, Francis Parker, Parker uh, Yaki's about this book called Imperium. And man, you guys were having some good freestyle talk about stuff I had never heard. But, um, you know, I put it, uh, uh, I did a little bit of research and there was not too much that popped up real fast. Uh, I did hear some of his, um, jams, uh, some like, uh, clips out of the book, out of his book that some people read, I guess that there's some little 15 minute sections here and there that, that people, you know, that they're just reading them. And yeah, some of it is good. Um, uh, uh, there was one where, uh, he did say that uh, Mexicans ignored techniques, but like he does say that uh, like Egyptians and his people, d- uh, you know, didn't ignore techniques. Uh, it was nothing. I'm guessing that he's thinking like Egyptians like built pyramids and Mexicans didn't. But like, I don't know, there's a lot of pyramids in Mexico, but that's more. So, I, you know, so in that I could see a little bit of like uh, he's going, you know. Like he, he has a little agenda, but it doesn't take away from all the other stuff that he had in there. You know, I mean, you know, it's not a big deal. Uh, but uh, in 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 your readings of him, because you said you started uh, reading it, uh, what is it in those books? Because it was written in the forties. What, what is it in those books that still have some uh, that that you still can relate to now? Because it's years later, and also they might have made some bad calls in that book about, Hey, we got to do something now because some, but it never went down like that, but the calls are still good. Even now they to be at least put out. I mean, I don't know. So the question is, you know, you know, again, like a little freestyle on that, because I, I know a lot of the people that listen to the show for sure have not heard of uh, uh, Imperium. Yeah. Imperium by Francis Parker Yaki. Um, it's basically a political science book in history. It's, it's a lot of things combined into one. Um, like the part one where he's talking about just the basis of politics, he's also injecting spirituality into it. So it's really like nothing I've ever read before. And it spoke to me in ways because, you know, when I was a libertarian, all I cared about was how I want the world to look, how I want the world to be. And a lot, of, a lot of times people who call themselves libertarians and anarchists ignore how the world is and how the world works. And it was just one of those, it's one of those books where when I look at it, when I study everything that he was, you know, when I know about his life and what he went through, um, you know, being World War II and then being a part of the Nuremberg trials and seeing everything that he saw. And then I read his political theory and history and 
actually how the world works without emotion. You know, there's a term called, have you heard the term real politic? It's R-A-R-E-A-L-P-O-L-I-T-I-K. And what real politic is, is you're looking at the, you're looking at the world without emotion. So you're, all you're doing is you're, repo, you're reporting on how the world is without making a judgment upon it. And after reading that book, that's where I understood that, I mean, I, reading James Burnham and the Machiavellians, The Suicide of the West, definitely uh, put me on the path of, of real politics looking at the world for what it is and looking at the world without an ideology and reading Imperium where he talks about everything from politics to history, to culture, um, to power, power that is, you know, really important. People just don't realize that people think that they can destroy power. It's just not going to ever happen. And when people say it, it's really cringe because I used to say it too. So it's like, I mean, when I come at a lot of these things where I'm just like, oh, please, can you guys stop? The reason I'm saying that is because I used to say the same thing and then I realized, oh, this is really bad. Yeah, you were, you're listening to your old DJ sessions yeah, and yeah. you're like, <laughs> they're, like oh, they're all right, but they, they're, they're not hitting like they used to. So Yaki just, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, there is not, he's not 100% original. I mean, he's borrowing from people like Oswald Spengler and you know Carl Schmitt and all of these great history, historians and, and political theorists, but he just puts it together in a way and communicates it in a way that speaks to certain people. You know, I, I've talked to people who've read it off, of, you know, off of my recommendation, and it didn't hit them the way it hit me. And I get that. You know, it, it, that doesn't upset me at all. Um, but I've talked to people who've read it and like, even after reading the first part, there's five parts to it, reading the first part, they were just completely blown away. They're like, I've never read anything like this before. The way somebody's talking about politics, but he's also using a spiritual bent. And he's also, the way he's talking about how, um, like he says, like, like one thing he says that, um, that people misconstrue is he says, um, People aren't of a race. People have race. So like they possess a race. So it's like there are a lot of people who are walking around and it's just, oh, you know, this, this is life and this is what this is. And then there are people like, um, you know, who embrace their culture, where they came from, who they are, who their ancestors were. And that's like having race. So, you know, and he says anybody can basically, um, you know, he talks a lot about culture, man. He uses the term culture man, and I'm pretty sure that came from Spengler. Um, and culture man is one who understands that culture will always be stronger and more powerful than economics, um, will always be more powerful than politics, where you're from and who you are and what you consider yourself is probably the most powerful thing on the planet. And that's one of the biggest things that I took, I took away is that if you don't know who you are, where you came from and what's important to you and what's important to the people around you and the people you share values with, then you can basically be led astray by anyone who's coming in as a usurper and governments and elites and people like that. So, you know, it's, 
I have to read the book again because it's like the first, it's 600 pages and it's the first 600 page book I've read cover to cover in like forever. And you know, I sat there over like a week and a half period and just read it cover to cover and I need to go back over it again. And I started going back over it again and I found out that it was like I was underlining every sentence and it's just like, okay, I can't do that. <laughs> it's like, I can't do that. It's like, I have to get someone has to come up with a study guide for this thing. And um, yeah, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those books that, it's one of those experiences that you have to kind of experience. It's like, um, I used to do LSD in the nineties and people have asked me, so what's it like? And I'm like, like, no, there's no way you just, you'd have to experience it yourself. And I think a lot of what Imperium is, especially if you believe in God and you, and you have a spiritual side, um, it's going to speak to you in ways that other books on political theory aren't because you're going to pick up on the fact that he's, talking about he's not only talking about like the power of politics and the power he's talking about how it's also being influenced from above and yeah i think that yeah, i uh one of those clips i heard uh and i had never heard of this idea but or the or, or it phrased this way but it also maybe ties a little bit to what we've been saying about the the 80 20 or something but he had uh said like a like a culture that's the way I took it when I heard it was like a culture that's running on all cylinders, like badass is a culture that has the creators and the appreciators. And, and that when the appreciators know their role and the creators know their role and, 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 and they're just rolling to get, they, they know their role that that's when like uh culture and like that, that's, that's, that's like top notch. So I never heard that. And, you know, I, I respect that take. I mean, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, you know, your role, you know? Yeah. yeah so, I mean, and when he talks about techniques and techniques, I mean, it was really a people had just started talking about this. Spengler had his book, Man and Technics, and, um, you know, talking about how basically technology, how people are going to handle technology, the birth of technology, and especially the technology after the, uh, you know, starting with the technological revolution. Which is interesting because then you come all the way forward to Ted Kaczynski and Kaczynski starts talking about what the what the Industrial Revolution did to us. And you can be like, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah it, um, it did a number on us, didn't it? And you know, he talks about the power process and things like that, Kaczynski. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I think people should should read Yaki. I mean, if you don't want to read I mean, a 600 page book, there's a there's a book called The Enemy of Europe. That he wrote, which is basically just excerpts, um, not excerpts, but there, there's a lot of footnotes out of Imperium in them. And that's only like 90 pages. So mm -hmm. you can get a, <clears throat> sorry, you can get a really good idea of what Yaki is all about by reading those 90 pages. And there's, I read it and there's after Imperium and there's stuff in there that wasn't in Imperium it made me, you know, more stuff to make my head go insane. Yeah, so for sure, if you have uh, Paul back on to talk a little bit more of that, I will oh, definitely yeah. be uh, jamming that. And uh, uh, the last episode I wanted to talk to you about was episode number 746. And this one was uh, a good one, too. It's funny, man. I'm always jamming your stuff when I'm uh, doing uh, yard work. So anyway, I remember this uh, one, too. I was doing yard work, and this was with uh, Peter Br Br Brimlow. Oh, Peter Brimlow. Brimlow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. um, I figured you were going to want to talk about that one. And uh, oh, come on, you already know. I was bringing up uh, Mexican techniques. I didn't even know that. And so it's techniques. Like I have to look, I have yeah, to look yeah. what was the context of that. I just saw Mexican. I was like, hey, hold on. About the way you really bring it up Mexicans already. I was like, damn, even back then. But anyway, um, 
um, yeah, so you had this guy on and um, uh, it was basically he uh, was there to talk, kind of talk about like immigration and this idea of the of the great, uh, great replacement theory. And, uh, you know, again, you know, uh, I don't agree with a lot of what he was saying, uh, but I just like to hear the jam because, you know, I like to hear ideas. Uh, they, you know, I really don't know any new music. Uh, the old music I used to jam, uh, uh, you know, I'll jam it when I'm drinking a little bit, when it's already ready to go. But really, I like to jam all of this stuff, you know, whatever's kind of a, I like to jam ideas, basically. But uh, so, yeah, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I like the episode, uh, but uh what was uh, your take on the great replacement theory? Um, I, I've heard many takes on it. Uh, my thing, it, it sounds kind of uh, like victim hoodie, victimy, because uh, if it's like a numbers thing, well, then I don't know, make more babies kind of thing. But, you know, and maybe it's not that simple, you know, like it, 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 it but in my brain, it just kind of sounds like that. But what is your take on the the whole uh, great replacement theory? And on, and again, freestyle on that episode too. Well, sure. What I can look at first of all is that, um, and I know a lot of people don't adhere to this, especially in libertarianism. Um, but there is a war on white people. All you have to do is watch the news at night, watch CNN, MSNBC. You will see people on there talking about how how evil white people are. I mean, you had the 1619 project from, from uh, the New York times talking about how slavery built this country and everything like that. And white people were responsible for this. And you just have this attack on every once in a while, you'll get some blue check mark on Twitter. It'll be like, well, we just need to kill all the white people. And she, and these are from white people. And it's like, you're like, well, what, what exactly is going on? And then, we know this. I mean, like there was a guy at the Southern Poverty Law Center. I can't remember what his name was, but um, Peter knew it during the episode who like, like kept a chart when he worked there of how white populations were being reduced in the United States and like England. Well, why would you? Why? Why? You know, why isn't it charts of how you know, other populations are increasing? And why does it have to be just specifically on white people? And so when you see that one section of politics, and I'm including Republicans in this too, I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm not letting them off the hook, is really interested in just basically opening the borders and let anyone who comes up, wants to come in, come in. I mean, well, why? It's not. It hasn't been proven that, like, well, first of all, it's been proven, especially in California, that illegals can vote. People who are here illegally can vote. I mean, it's just, I mean, they give them um, driver's licenses. And when you get a driver's license, you have to register to vote. It's like this California law and everything. So California will always be blue. But, you know, I think the the one that they want is Texas, which is why just let people flow over the border and it has it has been proven that people who come over here who do get a chance to vote um it doesn't matter where the immigration is coming from they tend to vote blue so i mean you're basically looking with the the way the electoral college is set up like if texas goes blue there'll never be another 
like Republican president ever again, ever. It won't be. And oh, okay. No, I never knew that. Is, is that is that yeah. the way it works for the math? For the oh yeah, oh the math is oh yeah. If Texas if Texas goes blue, there'll never be another Republican president ever again, ever again, unless it's you know a, a Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan won like New York, you know when he when he ran. But so that to me, that's always been the goal is to turn Texas blue. And you have you have all of these you know, um, people who actually say it out loud. So. Is that what we want? Now, there's the part of me, the accelerationist part of me, who's like, okay, well, if Texas goes blue, then, and there's no, there's no way a Republican will ever get elected president again, then secession movements are going to happen everywhere. People are going to be like, screw this. I'm not, this federal government does not speak for me, yada, yada. So that could actually be a good thing. But in the meantime, it's going to be, that would be painful. We see the way you know, Democrats you know, govern. I mean, say whatever you want about Trump. You know, I mean, the guy was a disaster in so many ways. Um, he did allow the states to do with COVID what they would. And wh- wh- how much was gas when he left office? And you know, how much was food when he left office? I mean, this is really like, when you look at, the economy and what's happening now. I mean, this is what they they want. This why, this isn't an accident. This isn't an accident. Why um why would they want to rep- why, why why would they want to be a war on white people? When I would think that even if like you said that sixteen nineteen project, a New York Times project. I, I mean, uh, wouldn't like are isn't that like a white a uh, ran company or like family, you know, like what I'm saying is like, no, what, what, the New York, New York times has, has been owned forever by a Jewish family. So, yeah. It's, well, okay. Well, back to that, right? <laughs> like, like to that. The, Sol- the Salzburgers. Yeah, okay. no, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. And um, so my thinking is like, why would they want to have a war on white people when most people are like, it's simply just a voting thing, but they're going to be voting like it seems like it would be counterproductive to like it would seem like a lot of these people that are that are pushing these agendas i don't i mean are they mostly minority people or are they white people you know i mean you know like 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 what, what what is the take on that you know i i don't i don't know power i mean you can it doesn't really i mean like look at look at someone like jesse jackson okay jesse jackson has been active in the black community as a black savior since the 60s what has he done to improve black lives he's done in black communities nothing he's enriched himself so why wouldn't why wouldn't white people or whatever um if they came up with some kind of thing where it's like okay well we're gonna say that white people are evil and everything well then they can be like the i don't know i don't know why they want to do this it's other than power you see because like to me like it feels like like again i know it was like kind of a simple way of looking at but it was like okay because i know uh, i've talked to andrew uh, and he just says well uh like oh russia's not a threat because they stopped making babies a long time ago and now they're not going to have the people so he like he brought it to like uh you know your your population like your your Mm -hmm. so like if if it's about a great replacement and it's and if it's I don't know. Like I said, just 
you know, you would just make more babies. I mean, like where if the news came have, out. Who wants to have babies when inflation, when it's as expensive as it is right now? So, I mean, yeah. So what I would say is that like Latino, Mexican people, because of their culture of having tias, tios, this and that. They have a lot of fucking kids because they can all share the babysitting. Uh, uh, resp- I don't know. Like, I mean, it just like it, like it. It's all you know. It's always been that way. Like, uh, I don't know when when my wife and I got married. Um, uh, I so told my wife been incentives to have. There's been incentives for people to have children since the ni- since 1965. So yeah, then, why especially, what, if people so, are, especially if people are on assistance or something? Yeah. So then what I, so I was going to say that I remember, like I, I told my wife, my wife, like, oh, we need to have a big dinner, a uh, dinner room table, uh, because, uh, I want to fill it up with kids. You know, there was nothing, there was, I was not thinking how I was going to pay for them or how I didn't even think, oh, the government's going to help me pay for them. I just, I remember just thinking it would, it, it would be a, uh, it would be great to have a table full of kids and other family members. I you know that was just my cultural bringing. I didn't even think about, uh, so. But I would think if we're talking like in general here, that I don't know if I'm saying white here in general, if white people are having those conversations, like I want to have a big dinner table to fill it up with kids, or they're just saying, hey, we can only have a small table because we can only have one or two to send to these expensive colleges to get them to be to have them become elites and to have them. So like, that's their own shit. Like, you know, I don't know, have your own, have more kids. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's just too simple, but I don't know. That's my kind of take on it. But I mean. I don't know. I mean, I know you kind of said that there is a war, but you're also saying you don't know why they're doing it. Maybe it's something more to explore, right, on why they would do it to themselves if, they, if it is a war on white people, because it's probably... I mean, they're they're destroying... I mean, basically destroying the economy, destroying... I mean, they've sent jobs overseas. They've sent, like, a lot of manufacturing jobs overseas, and then they bring in labor from other places to, you know... I mean, and people can make the argument, oh, well, you know, white people or people in this country don't want to do uh, manual labor or farming labor. Maybe that's true. I don't know. I've never, no one's ever told me personally that they think that, you know, agricultural work is beneath them. Yeah. But, I mean, no, but you could just say, you could say it the same way that you like, uh, oh, Asians are high IQ and black, you know, yeah, you, I can straight up say I've never had a, and being in construction, I've never had a white person go uh, put an application in. But, you know, that's well, it's also I mean. the area. It's also yeah. the area you live in too. Yeah. Because I mean, like, um, if you go to where I was living in Ohio for six months, all the everyone who works construction. Is yeah, white. and then for sure, like white people, like that I've noticed are more like higher in construction, like oil field, this and that. Like, I mean, so they're doing like, so yeah, I, I don't mean it like that, but I mean there's it like of, there's but, a lot of um C- Central Americans working those oil fields now too. Um, yeah, like a, a heavy machinery, all that stuff. Like I would definitely know that. Oh, hey, you know, that's not Juan up there. You know, that's definitely some. You know. You know, it could so, be. Come on, what are you doing? <laughs> well, uh, uh, in a couple of years, it could be. You know, uh, uh, we have to grow up our own elites in construction. You know, to uh, get them up there and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. You know, why after World War II did Russia and the United States basically want to destroy the German people? You know, why did they ration them down to eight hundred calories? Why did they rape German women in the streets? Why was it basically legal to kill German people after the war ended? I mean, I don't have, not everybody has answers for, for everything, but you can look at, you can look at things and you can be like, okay, well, why is this happening? And what is, what is going to be the, what is going to be the consequence of it happening? So 
Um, I don't know. You know, I what I do know is when I look around the country and I see cities and localities that are run by Democrats, I see crime, I see violence, I see places that you or I don't want to live. And when I look at places that are run by Republic run by Republicans or smaller towns in the Midwest, I mean, these are towns where people don't lock their doors. So I don't know. You know, it's like, I mean, if and that's and it's part of the journey that you're on, right? I mean, you're going, you want to f- interview people and 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 sure that might have I mean, ideas everybody, on why. I, everybody I interview, I mean I don't agree with them 100%. I mean, it just doesn't, but, you know, I'm also taking a lot away from them and taking a lot away and, you know, filing it so that I can know where the arguments are, who's making the arguments. And then if I come up with an idea later on how something works and that person seemed to contradict it, at least I can remember so that I can hone it uh, a lot better. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> nobody's going to be, I've never read a, thank God. I've never read a book that I 100% agree with other people because if I did, that would be, I I'd be like, I'd have no mind. I'd have no discernment unto myself. You know, it's like, in, it's like the Bible. When I was, what, when I was going to church and calling myself a good little Christian and everything, there were things in the Bible that I just did not agree with. And I did not believe, but I dared not say it out loud, you know, in church because, you know, the inerrant word of God, when you're a Protestant and everything. But um, especially when you're a Baptist, but the um, but yeah, I mean, I like ideas. I like bad ideas, too. You know, I mean, I it's why I've covered I did a whole seven or six or seven episodes where we where Aaron and I read State and Revolution by Vladimir Lenin. I mean, I'm not a communist. I don't agree with communism. I think that commies should be redacted. But. I want to know what they what they believe. I want to be able to, you know, if someone says, "Oh, well, I'm a communist," and you don't even know what I what I believe, okay, let's test that. You know, I want to be able to talk about it. I also want to be able to know what it is, so that when I see it happening in front of me, government and implementing things, I can go, "Oh, that's that's communism. You know, that's socialism." So. Um, I study things that, you know, I've studied communism. I've studied fascism. Um, I've in my life, I've studied Hinduism. I've studied Buddhism. I've studied all of these things and they all, something of all of them stays with me. And I think that it just makes you a well-rounded individual. And also somebody who, you know, has knowledge and can speak to, you know, have conversations with a lot of different people and be able to relate to a, a lot of different people. You know, yeah. my, my family in Puerto Rico is just basically freaking communists. I know how to talk to them. You know, it's like, I'm, I just know how to talk to them. And it's fine. And I'm not talking about like, you know, Oh, they, I'm talking about, no, they like literally went to college and became communists. <laughs> you know, So it's like, um, yeah, I want to, be able to have a conversation with them and tell them where I think they're wrong. You know, not at a funeral, but you know, <laughs> in conversation over, you know, some Orozco boy or something. There you go. Nice. Uh, you, uh, you've mentioned that uh, you're blackpilled uh, 
Do you, what, what do you need to see to, when did I say People you were mentioned, saying that you mentioned on episodes like, oh, don't listen. Uh, I have my ideas. Don't listen to me because I'm black. I'm black pill. I'm being I'm being sarcastic when I say that. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, I'm being oh, sarcastic. Okay, because right. because so yeah, many people say because okay, so there people have this. People have <laughs> it's this good. Let's clarify it because it really comes off like you're saying it in that way. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm being sarcastic. Um, the there are, there are certain groups out there that. If you don't agree with what they're doing, they will say that you're blackpilled, even if you like have an idea for an alternative that might work. So that's what it was just me leaning into the whole, um, oh, Pete's blackpilled. He's, a, you know, he um, he doesn't agree with what we do. So that means 100 percent that he's blackpilled. I talk about like I, I talk about everything from like, you know, getting involved in local politics to growing your own food to, you know if if you can do it and you want to do it leave the country you know there are people out there one of my one of my advertisers uh michael perup from the expat money show i mean he's he'll teach you how to do it he'll get show you places you can go if that's what you want to do i have answers all over the place you know i so another thing is that i've been saying for a while now is start making more money you know, and definitely build a business outside of like having a boss so you don't have to, um, you don't have to answer, you know, you don't have to take the jab if you don't want to, things like that, you know. So, and then people say that I'm black pilled because I, because they came up with this, like what they think is like the silver bullet that's going to do, that's going to do something. And I don't agree with it. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not black pilled. I'm not, as a matter of fact, I'm hopeful. I'm really hopeful, you know, and one of the things that makes me really hopeful is I don't think that we've ever been closer to like secession movements than we are right now. Yeah. So, and I think secession is actually one of the ways that this is going to all turn around. So, yeah, no, that's my agenda, man. I, uh, I want Texas to, I I want Texas to win. (laughs) I want, you know, and I'm trying to do it through like a unity way of like through football. Because to me, football unites. So I'm trying to say, hey, let's let's win a World Cup. But like I, I just learned too that we don't even need to secede. That I'm thinking that first we need to form a federation, like apply to FIFA for a federation. Like you gotta have legislators that are on board of like, hey, why can't Texas have its own national team, even though it's still a part of the United States? And then that would be the first step to get the culture to because right now it'll be too political. It's either a right or a left. But if it's just simply with football. It's like, hey, why can't we have a national team? Uh, you know, anyway, that's my own thing. That's my no, agenda. No, but no, I get it. The um, the um, I, I've seen you when you post about it, and um, yeah, that's that's cool. I mean, uh, well, literal. I mean, that is the one thing that I'm white filled about is I'm white filled on secession. Perfect. So uh, secession and localism. Perfect. So yeah, to so to finalize, uh, can you please uh, talk about some of the projects, uh, events that you might have coming up? I know you go to some events here and there, and uh, and uh, any guests that you have that are coming that are coming down the line that you know are gonna, you know, uh, uh, spark some uh, interest, uh, and then I guess where people can for sure uh, uh, reach you at. Sure, um, the podcast goes on three episodes a week: Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, Thomas seven 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 recording with him tomorrow to um, continue the series uh, on World War II. I'm also talking to Tim Kelly tomorrow from. Uh, 
our interesting times podcast podcast somebody turned me on to over a year ago and it's how i learned about e michael jones that i that e michael jones was actually doing interviews and um tim kelly is somebody that i i listen to religiously i don't miss an episode that he does um saturday i'm talking to my, my buddy jose nino and we are going to talk all about what the gop is doing in texas all the all the stuff that they're um talking about secession all of that so um that'll be coming out next week and then um me and my buddy taylor from hopian.org we're going to start reading hoppa's uh libertarianism and the alt-right it was a speech that he gave in 2017 that really pissed a lot of people off and i'll be honest it was it was head scratching for me at the time it came out and um yeah so and then i write it my Substack. um Pete'sSubstack.com, which is um, just bought that this week so that people don't have to write down friggin' 30 letters in order to uh, get to my Substack. And then the Pequeñona show um, on all podcatchers. And, and we're getting to the point where people know, some people know that I, I, I'm part owner in a company that makes documentaries. We have a documentary on Amazon Prime that it's called the monopoly on violence and it's a basically a history of anarchism and how you can get to not only not only what um how you could possibly get to an anarchist society but also to like uh limited government it talks about tom woods talks about nullification in it so there's a lot of good information in that and we have a another documentary coming out very soon i don't have a date on it because it's still in the editing process right now, but uh, it's called Over Policed, and it's going to be a history of the police, and it's going to um, basically talk about policing in the United States and just basically how useless they are you know, and how you know corrupt they are. We're going to have somebody, if anyone knows anybody um, about the Rampart scandal in in L.A. from back in the 90s, how they basically were just gangsters killing people, doing hits and stuff like that. I mean, we even got one of those. We even got one of the, the Rampart police officers to come in and talk about what it was like in L.A. when they were just like basically executing people in the streets, stuff like that. So it's called yeah. Overpoliced, and um, it'll be out soon. Okay. Yeah, man. Uh, thank you, uh, uh, DJ Pete. Man, keep putting out those tracks. Uh, I'm definitely gonna. I'm, I'm definitely a listener, and uh, help a lot of people uh, also tune in. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Peace. Thank you, Carlos. I appreciate yeah. it.